Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. Whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the 24 autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you are in the right place. We all take the chance with HSCT because we believe it is our only hope for a life free from progressive disease. This podcast is dedicated to the warriors whose journey with HSCT ended too soon. We honor their advocacy, their legacies, and their spirits. As we continue to grow the HSCT warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We are glad you've joined us. Welcome to episode two of the HSCT Warriors podcast. Joining me this morning is Dustin from, where do we call your town now el dorado it's el dorado el dorado Ohio. I, I, call, I called it el dorado for about two months after we moved and got made fun of the locals so. didn't they weren't too happy about it <laughs> they laughed so dustin you received hsct on april 19th of 2016 that's right uh from northwestern memorial university with dr burt uh-huh. Thank you for agreeing to share your snowflake, your unique story um, and experience with HSCT. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you first learned about HSCT? Um, my story, I'll, just, I'll start here. I was on Jelenia. That's a disease-modifying drug, and I was having a lot of problems with it to the point to where I was so sick I couldn't move, couldn't get out of bed. Um, I, I thought I was dying, so I wasn't going to take it. So then my wife, she was messaging back and forth with my neurologist and saying that he wasn't going to take the medication. She got me in for an appointment the next day or two after that. So we went and talked about stuff a little bit. And I told her, I just, this is my third medication. Um, I'd been on Avonex before that, um, was my first one. And then Abagio was my second one. So Jelenia would have been the third one and they just did not sit well with me. And I was talking to her and I said, I can't, I can't take them anymore. And she said, if I can't take my Jelena anymore, she can't treat me anymore. So, yeah. So we went back and forth a little bit. And then I I asked the question, I said, I don't understand why I'm taking this anyways, if I'm primary progressive. And she said, well, you're not primary progressive. I had been told by three or four neurologists before I saw her that I was primary progressive. Wow. Yeah. So she was going on where I wasn't, she was saying, right. I wasn't taking my health seriously. I wasn't paying attention to doing the things I needed to do and everything. And I got, I don't know. I got frustrated and walked out. (laughs) Well, to have a doctor shame you uh, when you're trying to find your way is not a pleasant experience. Well, I mean, especially I was still coming down because keep in mind, I had had like this big, huge Jelenia reaction a couple days before. So I just walked out, left my wife in the room. I walked out to the car. My wife came out like 30 minutes later and I just said, I don't know what to do. So we got home and I just, I Googled um, cures for multiple sclerosis and then something popped up and then like some of it was kind of sketchy a little bit. And then I typed in clinical trials for cures for multiple sclerosis. And then Mm. that popped up. Dr. Dr. Burt's clinical trial popped up on on clinicaltrials.gov. And just as I was reading through it, it it was so simple what he wanted to do. It, I I said, nothing else makes sense other than this, because it's why, why, I never understood the whole disease-modifying drugs to begin with. Sure. 
because the first one I was on was Avanex, and they, you know they give you the 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 nice uh, padded like three ring binder. It's the smaller version, and it's got all this information in it and CDs and all this good stuff, and all these inspirational quotes. You know, MS, um, your life is now just starting, and all these things. And it, that's not the way I felt at the time. Sure, <laughs> right. But uh, what was what was what was I talking about to begin with? I lost my train of thought. Well, mo- the motivation to pursue HSCT and pursue the clinical trial as an alternative to disease-modifying drugs because oh, right. disease-modifying right. drugs claim to suppress progression, but for right, some but people, the, the, just that doesn't work. Well, the, the thing that always confused me because I was presented Avonex and Capax. Capaxone, I think was my first two. Uh, I could pick one or the other. I, I got to choose. I don't. That was funny, but right, right. I think I got the same two boxes. Like they hand <laughs> they hand you boxes as you're hearing of this diagnosis and having your world shattered, and they hand you boxes and tell you go home and do your research with these right, two this, these two options. Right. So I, I was actually being. I felt like I was being my own doctor for my MS at least in, in some way, shape, or form right off the bat. Absolutely. I, I, I had to choose my own drugs. But then when I'm looking into the drugs, it's one of the very first things in the pamphlet they, they, they hand you is, this is believed to, I forget exactly what it says, but we don't know how it works. <laughs> and all of the side effects that you will potentially experience. Right. And then I read through all the side effects and everything. And then I'm then the first thing that pops into my head is, what if the person that they're saying was successful on Avonex for, let's say, for two years or whatnot, what if that person would have just never had activity to begin with? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, that's the so, whole premise so, of Dr. Burt's. Right. So, so it's, it's kind of what they're – but what the insurance companies – or not the – I'm sorry. What the, what the Avonex, the, the pharmaceuticals, what they say is we don't know how it works, but – it shows that people don't have activity after X amount of years and it works for five years or, you know, everyone varies a little bit, but it's, it's what was always in the back of my head is what if I was, let's say I go on Avonex and I have two years progression free. I mean, that's awesome. What if I would have been two years progression free without the Avonex? Because there's no way of telling if I was going to have new lesions or lesion activity or anything if I was on the on the drug or not, there's no way to prove that it's actually working. That's that was my problem with it. Sure, that's that's a big problem, and but, one, one but, that doctors don't have a resolution or an answer for. Right, but then you read Doctor Burt's, and it's it's. I mean, he, you know, he's doing this big, huge clinical trial and all this other stuff. Avonex, they give me this twenty-some page binder stuff to get through, and Doctor Burt, it, he explains it. I think it was like three or four lines. Use chemotherapy to kill the. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Use chemotherapy to kill the immune system. Use stem cells to help you recover faster. Hopefully, your immune system will recover without the memory of MS. I mean, it was it was so simple and perfect. I said I, I said I, I have to get in here somehow or another. So I just, that's that's when I filled up my paperwork, and I would say a day or two after I sent in my initial stuff, they asked me to send in my. I think it was my medical records and everything. Your MRI reports, sure. Yeah, yeah. So then I sent that in. It, it took me a while to get my MRI from my neurologist. I don't think they were wanting to give it up. Mm. But anyways, I, it took me about 30 days to get my MRI, so I sent it back in to Dr. Burt. I think they called me a day or two after they got it and said – after they got all my, my MRIs and everything and said, Dr. Burt, wants you to see you right now? I said, okay. So we tried to get through the insurance stuff and everything. But I had been talked into a Medicare Advantage plan. And with Medicare Advantage plan, you can't go to any doctor you want to. So Dr. Burt wasn't in my um, my network. Mm. So I had, to w- I had to wait five months before I could get off a Medicare Advantage plan until January 1st, and I could go back on regular Medicare. Wow. So you know, I'm sitting – it was the longest five months. It was – I, I started this in June or July. So yeah, it was like it was like five or six months, and it was the longest time of my life. Sure, 
<laughs> and so you got into the clinical trial just before they were closing the window in 2016. Uh, no, I was 2017. I was I was accepted on, on a compassionate basis. Okay. But then Medicare covered it for you. Yes. That's wonderful. I, th I think that they see that it saves money in the long run. So thank you for giving us that background. It's very helpful um, to even understand the waiting and the, the time that it took from initial initially finding the opportunity and then getting all your ducks in a row. It's not an easy part of the journey. Um, it's, 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 it's not, I, I feel for the people that's been accepted and, you know, they're, they've been waiting a year, year and a half, two years. I mean, trying it's, to get coverage. Sure. Yeah. I mean, cause you have some people that pay out of pocket and that's awesome, but I mean, that's still a whole bunch of money to pay out of pocket, even if you can't afford to do it. That's a tremendous amount of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Which but is it, it's, 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 it's two years of MS drugs. Correct. So it pays for itself because by the time you get it, you don't need those drugs anymore. That That's right. And if, if you're part of the, I think he said he's up to, what is it, like 95% now? It showed no activity. It's 90, 95%. It was something really high. I thought I saw in his presentation at the Vatican that it was at least ninety-three percent, but I could be wrong. For I whatever... think that sounds that sounds about right because it may have been eighty-five before, and then I, I know he bumped, he made a couple of real small changes in, in the last year or so, and he's gotten it even better. Well, and he has data five years out, which no drug has that length of time of evidence of proof of product right like disease modifying drug research usually ends around two to three years because that's when the drugs stop working for people because you right. build up a tolerance and you have to switch so no drug even has the data comparable to his five years back now he's got many more years back because the clinical trial has been going on for so long it's just a matter of following up with people who participated not everybody's willing to come back and then you have to get your critical mass of numbers to have statistical significance so i know they're working on all of that but still the point being that he has five years of research evidencing effectiveness right and then and then if you want to look at a little bit further let's look at i mean chemotherapy is chemotherapy and it's it's pretty brutal stuff but this procedure has been performed for what 50 or 60 years so we have 50 or 60 years of data in, in terms of safety. That's, that's more so what I'm talking about. Sure. So we have, you know, we have half of a century of, of safety data. And I don't know how many it's, it's hadn't been practiced, you know, millions of times already. And then, you know, a lot of these drugs, they push them through. They don't have, I mean, I, I saw, what is it? A, a clevis. Is that, is that one of the new ones? A crevice? Yes. Um, they were having a bunch of issues that they didn't know that they was going to have. Like when they first, you know, launch the drug, they list the side effects. Now they're updating with new side effects. Mm -hmm. And it's, I, I how, how do you trust a drug to where it's, it's guaranteed that anytime a new MS drug comes out, they're going to end up updating the side effects. It happens to all of them. Absolutely. Because over time they learn more of the damage that, the drugs ultimately cause through those side effects exactly. because they work differently for every person. We are so unique in our experiences with our disease absolutely, and our experience in trying to treat the disease. And so thank you for being a part of this podcast to shed, shed light on your individual experience, your snowflake, well, as I like to call it. Well, thank you for having me. Well, so why was it important for you to participate in this podcast? To let people know what's out there. Mm. That's, I, I, I understand it's a tough choice. I understand that it may be scary to go through chemo and be away from your family and, you know, most likely be in a different state, possibly a different country to have this done. But looking back on things, I wish I would have known about this and would have been able to do this when I was first diagnosed. Mm -hmm just because it would have been nice not to lose 
as much as much function as I did. Which I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm very happy now. I mean, I've regained a little function already, and I haven't lost any. I mean, I'm I'm most definitely doing a lot better than I was right before transplant. But it it would have been nice if I could have done this. I would have been younger. I would have been healthier. I would have went through the treatment easier. Then maybe I could have, you know, went on with normal life. But I I did, I yeah I, I I just I stayed on the. I wasn't on the MS drugs all that often because I'd be on them for two, three months, and they'd make me they'd make me extremely ill. But you know, I mean, in, in the four or five years from the time, because I, I was diagnosed in 2012, so in the four or five years before I had my my uh, my HSCT, I mean, I went downhill. At least the way I feel, I mean, enormously rapidly because the drugs yes. didn't work. Right, so I would have, I would have liked to have at least tried this. If I'd have been in, in the seven percent that it doesn't work with, you know, I'm I would have been fine with that. But to at least be able to stop, it, I, I just I, I would have it would have been nice if I'd have had this option, and I would have known about it, you know, four or five years ago. Well, and hopefully, exactly. Hopefully, this podcast will help to um, share the share the news of HSCT and help. Uh, support people and figuring it out because it can be scary. Like you said, um, I too wish that I had known about it much sooner in my experience with disease, but it is what it is. And here we are now. And so how is recovery going for you? It's, it's, it's not easy. Um, there's a lot of what I call small things that happen, at least to me, uh, right after I was discharged, I would, like I was retaining water real bad in my ankles and stuff like that. Um, still letting some of the swelling from the steroids and everything go down. But I mean, that was over with, you know, within a, a month or so. Um, fatigue's still pretty bad. It's getting better. Um, but my, my heat intolerance is still pretty bad. And I probably won't get that back. The, I, I was talking to, to uh, Dr. Balbanov. A couple of weeks ago, I had my one-year follow-up, and he said I most likely I may still be able to improve in other areas, but when it comes to my heat intolerance, I'm probably not going to see any improvements, just because that was one of my first symptoms and the way it, it attacks the spinal cord. He's a, he's really really smart, and I'm not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're so, smart yeah. in your own way, Dustin. You are smart well, thank in your own you. way. But I mean, the way I explained it, it makes it makes sense, and and that just goes back to I wish I could have done this sooner, mm -hmm. because yeah, I'm fatigued now and every you know and stuff, and I'm nowhere near as strong as I used to be. I'm still working on that and everything. But when you're intolerant to heat, it's really hard to function. Um, there are a lot of limitations they, that come with that. Yeah, I mean, even if you like, I can't go to you know the amusement park with my family because I would have to stay inside. So, you know, what's the use of even going? Sure. But, you know, it just, it all goes back to, I wish I would have known sooner. It, 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 it just, it, it feels wrong to me that I didn't. Sure. It's, it's tough to resolve. Yes. I feel the same way and I um, definitely can sympathize, empathize with that. Um, so, did you have any doubts or reservations going into HSCT, like preparing for it? The only thing that I was worried about somehow is just making sure my house and you know my wife and my kids and stuff, they were going – everything was going to be taken care of while I was in the hospital. Because me being out of commission and stuff, you know, that's not – you know, that that's that's not – out of the ordinary for them so that was easy to deal with but it's just making sure that they had what they needed um because my wife she wanted to be with me they were in the hospital with me the entire time but i wouldn't let her because i want her to, to be at home with the house and the kids and stuff sure um so that was honestly that was the only i wouldn't even call it a reservation that, that was the only i guess concern i had through the whole thing what about with recovery do you have any concerns now that you're on the other side of hsc I've sort of taken the mantras, I'm going to do everything in my power to not 
focus on anything to my that happens to my body and you know like little things and spasms and stuff like that for two years after two years if i'm still feeling things and still not feeling right then i may look you know going to a doctor doing something like that but i just I've, I've been very zen about it which i'm usually not a very zen person <laughs> now did you find the zen um on on the post or even going through hfct I think it was the five or six months I had to wait to see Dr. Burt. I, I gained some of that there. And then once he said I was a great candidate and he wanted, you know, he wanted to treat me and everything, all of my worries, at least all my worries that I can control, they disappeared mm. because I didn't have to worry about, you know, trying to figure out what, this symptom is or trying to figure out how I'm going to, because I was walking with a cane, you know, when I was accepted, I, I, I couldn't really walk too far without my cane and I was going to get worse. I was trying to plan, you know, how, how is my life going to be in two years, three years, anything like that. But once he accepted me, I sort of said, you know what, I may have to do this. If it doesn't work, I may have to plan for further down the road and what may happen to my body. But for this point in time, this man, I mean, I, I, I've, I've talked to him. I've read what he wrote. He, he seems extremely intelligent to me, and he says he wants to take the reins and you know take control for a little while. I, it, it was a relief more than anything. Sure, you trusted it, Dr. Bird and his yeah, protocol. Yeah, because I well, it was I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to be my own doctor anymore. Mm. He was he was. I, I actually felt like I was going to have a real doctor for the first time. You know and in a while the four years of yeah between diagnosis and getting through all this yeah so so you mentioned kind of taking your time with recovery and waiting until two years to seeking out help so in that interim and or the right now what promises are you willing to make to yourself to help promote your recovery now let's see here i can tell you the promise i keep making to myself but i keep breaking is I won't overdo it. I, that, that that's the hardest part for me. It's you know I'm 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 never going to be perfectly healthy or anything you know no, anything like that. But I'm so much better than I was. I want to do more than I really can right now. Sure. And 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 that that's a promise I think everyone should make to themselves, and I think they should stick to it better than I do. <laughs> Not but, to overdo it, right? Right. It's, it's, you know, don't, don't be lazy. You need to push a little bit, but don't overdo it. Well, when you're contending with fatigue, <clears throat> it can be tough to, it can be so frustrating. At least when I'm in right. physical therapy and just yesterday is a great example. I was in physical therapy. I had a new obstacle course to work through and I rested, I got through it the first time, sat down and I looked at it and I was like, I know I can do better. So, right. Maybe I didn't rest long enough because by the time I got through almost halfway, I was struggling. And my therapist looked at me and he said, that's fatigue. I said, I know, but I want to get through this. And I'm pushing because you want things to work again. Right. <laughs> and and it's, it's finding that patience and resolving Zen space to be in the moment and, and, and accept the fact that rest is part of healing. Right. And and what I do, what I what I fall victim to sometimes is, you know, with the fatigue, but sometimes you get those little bursts of energy. And I try to cram three hours of a healthy person's work into an hour and a half of, uh, of my time doing right. right. And then and then I overdo it. And you know, it's just it's that that's it's it's not really hard for me. It's just I think it's more so me being hard headed than anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we know ourselves best. Unfortunately, so, yeah. Well, so what is the cost to others in your life in your recovery from HSCT? There's the the cost isn't if the, if there is a cost, you have to do like a like a like a cost benefit. I would look at the way I was. April, 
I guess what would it have been April 12th or 13th, the day I walked into the, the hospital for my long stay for my chemo and everything compared to the way I was when I walked back in the door after I walked out of the hospital, I was already better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes if I can't move around all that much, I may have my daughter. She may have to, you know, give me something to eat or something or something to drink. Not really have to, but I just really tired and want her to do it. You need the help. Yeah. yeah it, it, not that I need it, but at the time it would be really, really, really nice to have it. I'm sure she's happy to help you. Sometimes. <laughs> it, it depends on how often she has to help in a day. Sure. My, my daughter it does the same. She gets fatigued with the request for help as well. Yeah. Depends on every the day. daughter on the planet. Well, and it, it, it does. It depends on the day, on the moment, on the hour. Right. It is quite the roller coaster, this recovery. Absolutely. So, what could you offer as advice based on your experience to help others with your autoimmune disease, which is MS? What could you offer as advice to help others prepare for or even recover from HSCT? Um, the advice I would offer to someone preparing for HSCT is walk into it because I'm going to make an assumption. Most of, even if it's for MS or scleroderma or any, you know, any of the autoimmune diseases, we have been our own doctors in some way, shape, or form for the longest time. The big, the best advice I could give is if you decide to do it walk in it's it's what i did and i walked into the hospital i'm kind of a control freak but i walked in the hospital and i told the nurses i told dr burt i said you are the boss i said i will not question anything i won't complain about anything you can do anything to me you want while i'm in this hospital and i just i, I, I think it's just that just completely giving in to him and saying you know what i i need your help and if I need your help, I'm going to do things exactly the way you tell me to. And 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 I think that that made my stay so much better. As you know, I I wasn't worrying about is he give, I need different medication or you know sometimes especially when you're in the hospital and you're getting a whole bunch of stuff, you ask a bunch of questions about what you're getting and you know what's going through your IV and stuff. I, I didn't ask anything. They'd say we're in here to hook up your IV, and I'd say you're the boss, and they'd say okay and do it and be on their way. And that may just be because of the kind of person I am, because like I said, I'm kind of a control freak to begin with, but what I was doing wasn't working for me. I needed help and I needed his help and he's the only person that could help me. That's great that you found trust in him. If, if you, if you can't find that trust, I, I would question why you were doing the treatment to begin with. Mm. I mean, because this is a serious treatment. I mean, you, I mean, you've been through it. You know what it's like. Transformational. Yeah, it's 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 a big deal. And you have to go through it, and you have to you have to just let go. Because I've done it. You know, you can't walk here because my legs locked up, or can't walk outside because it's too hot. You're you're used to putting up all these. At least I was. You're used to putting up all these all these barriers of things you can't do. I can't take that medication. It makes my stomach queeze. You know, just the whole, I just said, I'm, I'm not going to do it. He, for the next three weeks, he's my mommy, he's <laughs> you know, in control. Sure. So, and, and I, and, and it, it, at least, like I said, for me, it made my stay so much better. Sure. And that's great advice. Releasing and, control. Yeah. And then, um, a, a advice for recovery. That was the other part, right? Please. I would say try to remember where you're at and like at the first of every month, for example, because sometimes it's at least it was the way with the way my MS happened. I mean, it, it started, I'm pretty sure early my, in my early twenties, but it was so slow. I never really put it together until a whole bunch of stuff started happening at once. I think my recovery, looking back on it, it's kind of been that same way. I've had a lot of very, very, very small, what I call micro victories. Mm. I didn't acknowledge them because my mind was 
someplace else or it's cold outside or I, I didn't acknowledge my micro victories. And, and if, if it's, if this treatment will work for you, I'm, you will have micro victories. Even if you don't have great healing and, you know, if you will, if you went in on a wheelchair and all of a sudden you can walk and everything. But I, I just think those small, small, small victories, those are the things you have to remember. Um, can I tell the one story we was talking about earlier on? Absolutely. On well, please. And I think even mentioning some of these small victories, what, like what are the small noticings? Okay. The first one, um, frequent urination has been a problem with me. I'm, I'm 40 now. I had HSCT when I was 39. It, that probably started when I was 22, 23 years old. Wow. But I, I, I never put it together. I just thought I just drank too much fluid. Or I had kindergarten kidneys or something like that, you sure. know? Sure. So I just, it's for a long, long, long time. I mean, 15, almost 20 years, I, I've had an issue. Um, it's just been the last, I would say, three or four months. I had completely forgot that human beings could do this. Um, normal people, they can wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and have to pee, but still be so tired they don't want to so they just go back to sleep and they can hold it sure and it doesn't bother them sure i forgot people can do that i can actually do that now wow and it's 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 one of those things i i if i would have if i would not have seen improvement in my frequent urination i never would have known that that's something that i had lost because it had been so long it had been so long and it's it's i mean think who goes through the day thinking you know what thank goodness that i can wake up in the middle of the night have to pee and still go back to sleep no one does right it, you know it's just not it's not one of those things you think of no you but, take, you know, totally take it for granted until you can't anymore right well i, I didn't take it for granted because i forgot i could do it because it was sure. so slow but it was like that little i was it was like seven in the morning i was getting up getting ready to take my dogs outside and everything and i said i had to go pee last night and i didn't get up and it just it clicked i think it had happened probably two three four times before it just still didn't click with me and then all of a sudden i said that's something that actually markedly got better i mean i'm still not perfect or anything but i mean sure 80% improvement on somebody that would have to take a snap a bottle with them on a, on an hour long car ride. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's a big deal. Huge deal. And, and, and that, that's what I would say going back to the recovery is I would just, just try to reflect on the little things, not the big ones. Cause like, like I, like I was saying before, when I walked in, I was, when I walked in for my inpatient stay, I had, was walking with a cane i had used one for two or three years before that and then when i had walked out when you know when i was discharged i was walking out without my cane and i haven't picked it up since amazing not saying there's times in the recovery i hadn't thought about it sure <laughs> there's been a lot of times where i said i, I may need to because my back was starting to hurt a little bit and that goes back into the thing of don't overdo it because if I wouldn't have slowed down my, you know, what I was doing a little bit and everything, even though I didn't pick the cane back up, I could have done damage to my back and, you know, that would have messed me up and made life harder. And it's just trying to keep a balance with things. Finding the and that's, Yeah, that's, that's one thing I was never, ever, ever good at. And until I would almost say the day Dr. Burt said, I want to do treatment for you. It was like it was it was the biggest burden lifted off my back as finally someone that I had faith in that was smarter than I was said, you know what, man, I'm going to take care of you. Wow. He looks you in the eye when he says that, too, and you know that he means it. Yeah, because he 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 looked because I, I, I had talked to Dr. Balabanov before I had talked to Dr. Burt in my in my initial evaluation. And Dr. Balbanal, he said, well, I said, well, I asked him, I said, how, how many lesions do I have? Because people always talk about their lesions and everything, right? I said, I want to know how many I have. He said, I can't count them. 
He said, your brain has too many. There's, I can't count. Wow. And then at Northwestern was the first time I'd ever gotten a full, uh, a full spine MRI. I said, well, what about my spine? He said, your spine's like totally covered. Mm. (laughs) I said, so yeah, he said, I, he said, if you don't get this within two years, he said, you're at least going to be in a wheelchair, most likely in a nursing home. He said, to be honest with you, I don't know why you're not right now. How did that feel? I felt vindicated. Tell me. I, I, I knew what was happening in my mm-hmm. brain. I mean, I knew it. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is you know when something's happening. You just, you just know it. And I knew And finally just someone – because I'd never had a doctor told me how many lesions I have. I just – I never really got that personal experience with any of my neurologists. And he just – he told me point blank, and I, I love bluntness. I, if, if I want something sugar-coated, I'll go to the store and buy a candy bar or something. Right. You know, he was just, he said, this is what it is. I said, okay, I appreciate it. He said, you need to get this right now. So I marched over. My point was Dr. Burt right after it was Dr. Balbanoff. Dr. Burt looked at my MRI and said, yeah. He said, your MRI looks really bad. He said, you have a bunch of activity. You have a bunch of lesions. You need treatment right now. I said, okay. He said, "For I need to tell you this has complications. Um, the most important and severe one being death. And I told him, well, that's where I'm heading anyway, so I might as well give it a shot. And he looked and smiled and said, okay, let's do it. And that was it. That's powerful. So maybe we've already talked a little bit about this, um, but we'll switch now into this lightning round where you could offer a one word response or front of your mind, you know, short responses are great. I'm looking for a superpower that you gained from your experience with HSCT. Zen. Mm. It's a strong one. It's, it's, it's the one that, that keeps sitting with me before you even ask the question. So is there anything holding you back from sharing your superpower with others? Um, my, the day, the, the, the damage I have that's already been done that I hasn't been reversed yet or may not be reversed. I would get, cause I don't really get out of the house very much. It's, it's still somewhat hard for me to get out of the house. That, that would, that's probably the biggest one. I feel you there. I really do. Um, can you recommend a resource or a book or something that has helped you in your recovery? Can it be just a general resource? Absolutely. Music. How so? I may, I, what was that? How so? I just, I don't know. I, I, I attach meaning to stuff. Like everything I attach meaning to, I, I think I'm somewhat of a teenager inside. <laughs> but, you know, there's just like, like there's like there like the, for example it's it's still in my head and I was singing it in my head because when I was in the hospital and I was the first time I wanted to try to walk without my cane I said I'm just going to try to walk without I was the first day I was completely detached from um my like pole catheter, and everything right right yeah I was I was completely free and I was I was walking a little bit walking a little bit then all of a sudden my leg it just it was, it was like my forced gut moment where he's running through the woods and the bullies are chasing him. And all of a sudden he finds a stride and his, his leg braces break off and he just starts sprinting, mm. you know, that was kind of like my, cause all of a sudden my legs started working. I mean, it was, it was the exact same thing. And then the only, the thing that kept playing through my head over and over and over, and over again is the Foo Fighters walk, mm. which I mean, and it's kind of corny and, you know, to think that, yeah, I'm walking. So I'm going to have a song in my head about, walking but i mean I, I i i still to this day anytime i hear that song i it takes me right back to walking around you know walking around the oval of the hospital and then all of a sudden just finding that stride and that first time i did i did like 35 laps that's powerful that's so powerful. It, 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 and, and 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 it was and i think because I, I got in the groove listening to dave Grohl singing about walking i mean it, it helped i mean it it it's 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 rough being in the in the hospital. You're you're never alone, but you're always lonely. Mm. So I mean, I just anytime I'd be lonely, I just turn on a different song or something. I wasn't lonely anymore. 
Music was a big deal for me, too. Um, in fact, for the first nine days that I was in the hospital, I refused to turn on the TV. It was only music in my room. And it was well, I w music that uplifted me and connect that I connected with and only music. Right. Well, I, I couldn't watch TV in my room. I was in room 1598 and it was the, it was the, they call it the TB room. Mm. It had like this big old enormous like exhaust fan going in it. Oh. So yeah, 24 hours a day it was going. So I mean, it, it sounded like a very small uh, jet engine 24 hours a day in that room. Goodness. But I never – this goes back to it, I never complained. And normally I'd be the kind of person that would probably complain or say, can we turn that off or something, you know. But I, when I went in, I said, I'm not going to complain about anything. So I didn't complain, right? And the universe rewarded me with a penthouse suite for my last like five or six days that I was there. Wow. I don't know if you've seen pictures. There's It's it's one corner. It's a it's a corner room. Yeah. Is it 1698? 68 68 yeah i was yeah. in that for mobilization for the one night oh with the windows all around or on yep. the full corner it's a beautiful room yeah. i mean because i just had such a hard time throwing but i i didn't i didn't say one word to the nurses about it being loud i didn't complain even to my wife then they came in it was on a sunday and they said we think we may have someone on the floor that has i can't remember if it was tb or whatever it was it, they ended up not having it they said so we're gonna have to have you move rooms i said okay and i didn't get bent out of shape about it when normally i may get bent out of shape about things a little bit then they come back and said you've been really nice this whole week or two or however long it was we have a surprise for you wow and then i got walked to that i mean it was just it was really cool that it is a, it's an amazing room karma definitely rewarded you there that's the way i'm gonna look at it so um what is one thing that's contributed to success in your recovery? My family. Because when you're in the hospital, you may have a caregiver and you have nurses and you have doctors, you have everybody there to take care of you, but you're still, you're still doing, or at least your body is doing a lot of the work. I mean, you know, you're, you, you're going through a lot when you're in there. I mean, constant tests and Monitoring. you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's just when I got back, it was nice to have a break and just them pitching in on those days, you know, where sometimes I'm, you know, maybe a little bit more fatigued than I usually am and just little things like that. So, and, and it, it has helped me not overdo it as much, um, them helping me. So I, I would say family has been a big part of it. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. Moving around, you have to keep moving. Mm-hmm. Even when you're when you're inpatient in the hospital, if if you're not moving, <laughs> Doctor Burt told me a, a a funny story about that. Did I tell you the story about the he, where he grew up on a ranch? No, please share. Okay, because see, I I rarely talk to him because you know he only he he does his own rounds on the weekends. He's quick in and out, yes. Right, but on Sundays, I heard that he will spend a little bit of time with you if you have it yes. or if he has it. Right. Well, the, it was the Saturday before. I didn't even get to see him on the Saturday because I was out walking. I was somewhere in the hall. So he went to the room, went back to the nurse and says, you know, where's my patient? And they told him, well, he's out walking. He says, well, if he's walking, I don't need to see him. Right. You know, he's could, doing great. Right. So then it was that Sunday he, he, he came in. It was early. I think he comes. It was like 7, 730. And, you know, he did this quick little thing talking. And then that was the first time he really had a – that was the first time I'd ever been alone with him. And then he looked at my wall and saw some of my pictures and everything. He says, you know, you have dogs and everything. I said, yeah, we got some chickens and everything. I said, I would, in a former life, I would have liked to have been a farmer. Then his eyes sort of like they, – they got, they got bright. And he said, I grew up in Montana on a farm. Mm. I, I said, Really? He said, yeah, I grew up on a cattle farm. So he said something real quick, and he's getting ready to walk out the room. And then he turned back around and said, let me tell you a story. He said, well, I worked on that cattle farm. He said, the, my favorite part of growing up on that farm is, is, is when the calves were born. 
And he said, and the one thing I can remember when those calves are born, you know, they're born, they're laying there, they're struggling to find their feet. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a newborn calf, but they're shaky and they're stumbling around doing all this other stuff. He said, but the thing I remember about that whole process is if that calf's struggling and it gives up, he said that big old cow will start kicking it. He said it, he will, that cow will not let her calf stop moving. And that just really sat with me. As in, because that was, that was my big thing while I was in the hospital is you have to walk. Even, I mean, there's times where I was walking through the halls, I was crying, had snot come out my nose and everything. And I just, I, I felt like if I was, I wasn't going to sit in bed and feel like crap when I sat around my house and felt like crap for five years. Sure. So, and, and he, he told that story and it was, he just told it the perfect time because it was one of those, it was one of those mornings where I felt kind of, kind of icky and I didn't want to go take my walk. And it's just like, you know, it's one of those Zen things where the universe sort of, you know, interceded on its behalf and had Dr. Burt say the perfect thing to me. And it's stuck with you ever since. Kept you moving. Oh, absolutely. And it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's an awesome story to tell people. Absolutely. Thank you I mean, for that, sharing that, it. I mean, that's literally straight from the doctor's mouth. Right. It's a good lesson. <laughs> it's a great lesson. And so you were very fortunate to hear it from Dr. Bird himself. Um, thank oh, you. yeah. Thank you for sharing that with others. Because he doesn't have a lot of time and he doesn't share a lot. And so it is, uh, it's a gem that right. I appreciate you sharing with everyone. Hey, no problem. And, and he, he does that. It seems like most people I talk to, he he tried to have at least a little special something with everyone that's went through it. You know, even if it's not, you know, parties with balloons or anything like that, he just, he'll try to, even if it's just for a few seconds when him and his, and his fellows are walking out of the room, you know, he would turn around and just say something or give you a thumbs up, just something little. It seems like he was always trying to do that when I was in there and all the ladies, because I was in there with a, with a lot of ladies. Oh, well, yeah. I think I had two male nurses the entire time. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I like all the patients I was in there with, they was, they was all sure. female. Yeah, there was and a I was, lot I was the only guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's definitely a special kind of doctor. So is there anything that you are grateful for about your experience with HSCT that has gone unspoken? I, I, th- I think finally finding some peace in life. Because, I mean, my life, it's, it's my body's never going to be perfect. And, you know, I'm, I'm always going to have little things here, there and everything. But before it was always so hard for me to deal with because it seemed like things were happening so fast by the time I would accept one issue and a new one would pop up. So I, it was, it was almost like I always felt like I was drowning and and trying to figure out how I'm going to live my new life. If that makes sense. If I have to walk around with the cane, I, that that's fine. But I finally figure out how to do that. Then all of a sudden my leg stops working together, you know, all together. It was just it was one thing after another and that's that's one thing that I I don't think I've acknowledged enough so far. It's 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 finally having I guess a little room to breathe. And that's probably one probably the one of the things I'm most most grateful for. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing, for participating learning more well learning more about your journey and your experience finding zen and actualizing peace has just been a gift thank Thank you you. thank you was there anything that shifted for you during the conversation uh shifted i guess the feeling that I probably don't, I, I, not that I probably don't, I don't do enough to help get the word out. That's, that's probably the biggest thing that, that shifted for me is I just, you know, you just get stuck in your own life sometimes and your own issues and your own problems and everything. And you just kind of forget about things. When then I remember how I felt, 
um, I think it was like my day minus two, day minus one. It was it was before I even got my stem cells. It was just I could, I could just the way my brain was working. It it just it it made me. That's the best way to put it. I guess appreciate it. Mm. Yeah. There's a new gratitude. Yeah, definitely. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I think that just sharing your story here and with others will do enough, will be enough to help promote HSCT. You are a warrior and your story deserves to be heard. And I hope that you do continue to share it with more people. Thank you. I'll, I'll do my best. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, thank you for being a part of this podcast, for trusting in me with um, all of these questions and your experience and taking the time to be vulnerable with us and build this community. I'm glad you're a part of it, and I hope we connect again soon. Okay. Sounds good to me. Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Allitzelser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Take a moment to leave a review because your feedback will help to develop even better episodes and your ratings will help other people find the show. Tune in next Wednesday for a brand new episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. <laughs>